good evening everyone. To give a title to this talk, to give it a focus, let's say it's um, No God, No Governor, No Ego. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I've been doing a lot lately is reading a lot of books which I have a fascination with um, an interest in um, the first contact between Europeans and Aboriginal people in Australia and their first-hand impressions of meeting people before Europe, European civilization had an, had an impact on them. And um, it's, it's fascinating reading. And um, I don't want to go, go into, as some people do, um, over-idealising over what Aboriginal culture was as well. It was some kind of perfect utopia. It wasn't. And they're just human beings like everyone else with the same problems as everyone else and way of dealing with them. But they describe different characters that you can... There's some people, the descriptions of them, some people are greedy, you know, some, some people just want to take and take and take and some are angry. And, and there's descriptions of some Aboriginal elders who seem very... Uh, Zen-like in their demeanour, you know, like very gracious, very sort of natural, noble-bearing, non-grasping, and would be good company anywhere, you know, just sort of quietly confident in themselves. And then you had some who were the kind of very sociable but sort of duplicitous politicians who'd be nice to people to their face and then badmouth them to someone else. And there's also one who was a kind of a, they describe you as a kind of a... Um, Song, a sort of a silent, strong, silent type, who was a ladies' man, and he went around and he made all the fires for the women in the in the night. You know, so it was just a range of different characters like we have in our culture. But one of the the puzzles that all of the um, explorers had, I forget, like Oxley and Sturt and Thomas Mitchell um, and Eyre, and also I'm currently reading my my ancestor's book, Robert Dawson, who had extensive um, contact with um, the Aboriginal people in the Port Stephens area and wrote quite a lot. He was very interested in them and wrote perhaps more than anyone about his first contact descriptions. <coughs> but one thing that puzzled all of them that they couldn't work out is that they don't seem to have any kings or any rulers or like a governor, you know, there's no kind of hierarchy of social hierarchy of you know telling people what they do, but they all seem organised, and they were all really puzzled about this. I just couldn't work it out. But it's really obvious, you know, when you reflect back on it, they assumed there must be. They assumed that there has to be a governor or there has to be a king, lording it over everyone and telling everyone else what to do, in order to have a society that works. And that's not the way they operate. It's just an, a European assumption. That's the way it must be, and we can't understand why we can't find it. You know, there must be someone somewhere who's a king. Right? Um, but they, they did have um, wise elders who gave guidance called um, Karajis, you know, who were wise people you know, who shared their experience and their maturity. But they were, they were only guides. They, they decided things by councils, you know, sort of very democratic. <clears throat> um, but this assumption, there must be someone in charge, you know, who's organising everything. But they just organised, they had very 
strong um, culture and rules and so on, which they, the explorers didn't understand. But it just kind of happened organically. Um, and when you consider that their, their civilization in some areas go back, goes back 60,000 years, that's a long time, you know, to work out a sustainable way of being, not just socially, but, you know, um, agricultural sense <coughs> and hunter-gatherer sense. Um, but it's part of it's part of our culture that we come from, our European culture, that um, that there, there must be someone in control of things, and our religion is like that, you know, a creator god. There must be a a creator god, god who's in charge of the universe and and divided things up into good and bad, <coughs> and that's the way it is, right? Which in my mind is just a human construction on the way things are, that we, we construct a God. And it's all reflective of, this is the Dharma point I'm coming to, it's all reflective of the way that we relate to our own experience. And we think there's a controller inside, you know, there's a governor inside or a controller or a manager of business. And it kind of tells us what we should do and not do and, and sort of organises everything, you know. And from a Taoist point of view, from a Zen point of view, that's our whole problem. Mm -hmm. And we refer to it as the ego, you know. Things like, to use Taoist language, there's just the yang and the yin of things, and that, that sort of translates into, they translate in many different ways, but it's like the yang is the the positive principle and the yin is the negative principle, but you need both. Um, and if, as the Taoists said in their own culture, <coughs> if you think you can control nature or control human beings and try and make the positive dominant over the negative, then you'll create a whole lot of different problems. You know, you, 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 you break up the natural harmony of things, the organic intelligence of things. Uh -huh. And so we do have this sense through our social conditioning that there is an ego inside there, a self in there, and it's going to organise everything and it's going to um, hold to the positive and push the negative away, right? hold to the male and push the feminine away. Um, and from a Zen perspective, that's the source of all of our problems by creating that divide. That's what faith in the mind, our reading, is about tonight. And so any attempts we make to try and control meditation, control our lives, control others, to try and get clinging to a positive outcome, just kind of has its own inbuilt failure to it. Doesn't doesn't really work. And it's when we just allow things to just be. It is about, as I said in the, in the meditation, it is about turning up to be present. But turning up to be present is a matter of control. It's just turning up to be present to what is. So really the, really the, the nature of sasin itself as, a, as an exercise in how to live and how to be is just to turn up each moment to the way it is and let it be. Right? And if you just turn up to the way things are and let them be, 
then things just to seem to fall into place and things just all organically happen in the right way. Part of our experience is to organise and we can pilot like a pilot on a ship. We can decide where the ship goes and where it doesn't and we can decide where we go and what we do. But it's not a controlling influence. It's kind of just like a one facet of our whole being that's integrated into a whole. You know, our, our brain works without us having to think about it. Our heart works without us having to think about it. Our lungs, our liver, they just all, all goes together. When you go up to walk, get up and to walk down the road, you, your left hand doesn't have to think, you know, talk to your ankle about what to do. Or the left side doesn't have to organise what to do with the right side. It just happens. You just walk. Mm-hmm. And that's really just the nature of our existence. So while we always um, bang on about the ego in, in, um, in Zen, you know, and how it gets in the way, it's just a, con- it's just a construction that we make and then we believe in the construction and and our clarity that we're looking towards and our insight that we're looking for is that there's nothing there. There's nothing there to cling to as the governor who's going to lead you into being a better person or being into better circumstances in your life because we simply don't have that level of control. But if we just turn up to be present and we turn up to just letting things be as they are, it's not as though we don't just fall into chaos. Um, We actually, if we're settled in ourselves, we actually can create to some degree an organised life around us rather than just headless chaos. And it's often a, a reflection on our inner interior life of what our exterior life looks like. You know, if we're settled in calm ourselves, we tend to have a neat and tidy, clean place that we live in that's not cluttered. And our lives won't be cluttered and disorganised with this event and that event and that event and trying to squeeze everything in. It'll be, you'll have an interesting life in a, in a calmer, organised way, but it's not about controlling anything. So, there we have it. No God, no governor, no ego.